0: We're going to talk this morning about the prodigal son. Everybody knows the parable about the prodigal son. How many of you do not know the parable about the prodigal son? I figured. Everybody knows it. You notice that we do things differently when we read the Bible in this church. We read it slowly. Remember? We take pictures. You're going to take pictures this morning. You're going to ask questions this morning. You're going to look for attitude this morning. You're going to do some digging with me, because we, we slip by some of the most important portions of Scripture, and especially one that Jesus used as a parable. <clears throat> Parables are a story. The story of, of the prodigal son is not a true story. It's a parable. It was designed to open up our eyes to make us see. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read the entire passage from verse 11 through 32. We'll stay in that whole area of Scripture. We'll go back in and out of different verses. But I need you to get the overall view, and then we'll start taking it apart little by little. Amen? Are you there? How many of you love me? Say amen. amen. Oh, I don't know about that. All right. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. And he said... Jesus is talking, okay? A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share, and listen carefully to the words, or you'll miss this whole thing. Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. He did not say, give me the whole estate. Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. Hmm. Think about that. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. We're not given any details of what he did, but you need to see that the minute he left the house, things changed. Now, when he had spent everything, that was his share. A severe famine occurred in that country he began to be impoverished. So he went, <clears throat> hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Isn't that a great job? How many are looking for a new job? Alright. <clears throat> he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's Hired men have more than enough bread while I'm dying here with hunger. I'll get up. I'll go to my father. Are you looking? Are you, are you thinking? Are you taking pictures? I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up. <clears throat> came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, that's not what I would have done, Gary. I know that's not what Gary would have done, but that's what he did. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he's come to life again. He was lost. He's been found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older son... We we forgot about him, didn't we? The older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Can can you, okay, you got to take pictures, okay? He summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe." And sound. He came angry. He was not willing to go in. Oh, you got to hang in there. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, because you know all fathers need to be waking up a little bit. Because yeah, all fathers don't know what's going on with their sons, right? That, yeah, okay. Look, for many years I've been serving you and I've never neglected a command of yours and yet you've never given me a young goat or fatted calf so that I might have celebrate with my friends. But when, his, when this son of yours came, this son, when this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth, which is not true. Hello? When this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he, daddy, said to him, Son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead, and has begun to live, and was lost, and has been found. You can slide right by that parable and, for, and, and not see the power of, Of God and what he does in your life and in my life. It's a simple story. It's it's to illustrate a moral point. There's a spiritual lesson. The father represents God and the two sons represent Gary (laughs) and me. The two sons represent all of us and how we walk with God and what we think and what we do. The younger son is unhappy with his status. I want to leave the nest. I don't like it here. Nobody here has ever said that, have you? Nobody's ever grown up in a situation where you're going, oh, I can't handle this anymore. I just got to get out of here. None of you have ever gone through that. I know. He's unhappy with what's going on in his life. I want to leave the nest. Why? Why? Because the daily routine that he has to go through, he has a job. Daddy's given him a job. He's got certain things. Just like Daddy's given the older brother a job, who runs probably the whole thing. But Dad has given this boy a job, and he no longer likes the responsibility that's been thrown at him. He doesn't want this. He doesn't like what's going on. I want to leave the nest. I'm tired of my daily routine. Some of you would not be here this morning. If you had not had a daily routine, some of you might be dead had you not had a daily routine to work with that God provided for you. He's tired. Is there anything wrong with a daily routine? Is there anything wrong with being productive? Do we have daily routines? I'm not going to look at Gary because I love him. What are you going to do after next week when nobody picks on you, brother? There you go. Do you have a daily routine? Do you know what that is? Do you know why you do what you do every day? Do you know why you get up at a certain hour? Do you know why you eat this, this, or this? Do you know why you go here on this particular day because there's people? Do you know what's going on in your life? That's your routine. He has a routine. He's part of the family. He's not one of the slaves. Okay? But he wants to escape this particular situation in his life. He's not happy with what he's doing, or he thinks he's not happy with what he's doing. Of course, none of you have ever gone through that. I know. Well, to get out of town, you need money. Nobody's ever gone through that, have you? You've never, no. Okay, that's good. He needs money to go. So, I need to ask a question. What was his financial status at home? Can I run that by you again? What was his financial status at home? He's there with dad, he's there with the older brother. He had, listen to me, while he was at home, he had all that he needed. I don't know what you've gone through in life. I really don't. I don't know whether some of you left home early in life or because you needed to get out. I understand that. But while you were there at home, what was were you missing anything? Some of you may have been missing some things. Maybe your growing up period wasn't very good. I understand that. But in this parable, this young man was not le- was not without anything. He had everything he needed while he was there at home. He was there with Dad, and Dad represents God. And if you're at home with God, you have everything you need. Somebody better say amen. Amen. Dad, yeah, I don't like it. What don't you like, son? Well, I I don't like the routine anymore. I just don't like telling servants they got to do this, telling servants they got to do that. I don't like seeing my older brother getting all the blessings and all. I, I'm tired, Dad, I'm tired. Well, what what do you want me to do, son? Well <clears throat> verse twelve. <clears throat> Dad, give me my share. Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Understand the principle of the estate and leaving your estate to your kids in the Bible, okay? Daddy owned whatever he owned. The older brother gets the biggest share, the firstborn. Am I right? You understand scripture. The older brother gets the biggest share. He gets the blessing, so to speak. And the younger brother is going to get a share. They're not splitting this three ways, When you're living in the presence of God, you've got everything you need. Dad, give me my share. So he did. Okay. Question. I have a lot of questions. How far will your share take you? What is your spiritual status? Look at, it, look at it as a financial thing for a moment, a bag of money. What is your spiritual status right now? And if you walk away from God, how far will that take you? Not far. He doesn't realize this. He's the younger son. He's only got personal things in mind. And he, he needs to learn some lessons. And let me tell you something. He's going to learn lessons like he's never thought before. I don't want you to have to learn those lessons. I want you to understand who you are in God. I want you to understand he's dead. He's got it all. And if we're going to walk with him and stay with him, we will have everything we need whenever we need. Someone say amen. amen. You need to know that now. That if you walk with God day by day, I didn't say you were perfect. The only person perfect beside me is is Gary. And there's a question about that. He's not talking about perfection. He's talking about walking with Daddy, walking with your God, believing in Him, believing that He is God, believing that He's forgiven you of everything. No matter what it is, you've come to walk with Him, and you have everything you need. That's what you're looking for. Kid doesn't want it. So dad, verse 12 says, okay, I'll give you your share. Now, verse 13 is on the wall. And, And in one verse... From the start to the end of one verse, a whole thing's changed. His whole life has changed in one verse. Not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together, went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. One verse, and he's down the tubes. One verse, and he's lost it all. If you walk away from your heavenly father, I have a news for you. You will lose it all like that. You need to decide. It's not my decision for you. I can't make you do anything. God doesn't want to make you do anything. He wants you to choose to live for him. He blew it all in one verse. He blew every- How do you blow everything? Well, it tells us he went to a distant country, which means he was out of sight of the family, but he's never out of daddy's sight. Hear me. I don't care how far you think you're going away from God. you will never be out of His sight. He will see you, He will watch over you. He'll do like this once in a while, you go, ah, 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 until you find yourself in the pig pen. He spent it all. I don't know how much God gave him just to share, but when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. Have you taken any pictures? I think you need to take a picture. Do you remember what he looked like when he went, when he left home? He went out and bought a brand new Camaro convertible. That's what I want. If God wants to give me a car, I want a Camaro convertible. Okay. <laughs> Burgundy, you know. Just. He put his golf clubs in it, his tennis racket in it, you know, his luggage. Take a picture of him when he leaves home. Now take a picture of him. Where's your Camaro convertible now? Where's your nice clothes now? Where's your reputation now? What did he look like when he left? (laughs) Did you take a picture? What does he look like now? That's what loose living does to you. If you listen to, the, to, and you know me by now, you know that I don't carry a big hammer in my, in my hand to hit you over the head with the gospel. You know that. The gospel is powerful enough without me doing to, trying to do that. I can't force you to live for God. It's not my job. It's not my job. But as you read the word, as you go through it, as you study it, something needs to light up in you that you get a visual of what's going on. He's homeless, verse 14, 15, and 16. He's homeless. He's got no money. He's got no food. He's got no friends. He went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. We don't even know what that country was like. And this guy that he hired out to sent him in his field to feed swines. Now, you know that we probably should leave daddy at home, get our share, and we ought to go feed pigs. Isn't Isn't that a great job? That's a great transfer. I need you to understand about life with God. God's got everything for you. And when you turn around and say, I don't want this, and you walk away, you need to understand what the transfer will cost you. Daddy didn't send you away, you weren't forced out of the house. You walked away on your own. He's homeless. He has no money. He has no food. He has no friends. Got a picture? He substitutes a stranger for God. And that's what we do. When we walk away from God, we substitute something else for the relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. What's your substitute? W- what are you willing to latch on to to get rid of God? And will you be happy when you've gotten rid of God and latch on to this substitute. Okay. Bad company. Well, <clears throat> you know I like to take pictures before and after. There's a scripture that I'm, I'm going to just read it to you because I have it on my sheet. It says in, in Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he grows old, he won't abandon it. What does that mean? Mom, Dad, Hello. And those of you who are moms and dads, what about your moms and dads? And They're no longer here. What do you think we go to church for? What do you think we have classes for? What do you think we go to Sunday school or, or whatever it is? Why do you think train up a child in the way he should go? And when he is old, he'll hang in. He won't walk. I didn't say he wouldn't make mistakes. I didn't say he wouldn't try his little dance. You know, he, he gets, you know. Anthony's. A, he, you can tell by looking at Anthony's. He likes to dance. I didn't say we'd be perfect. The Scripture didn't say you'd be perfect. But if we train our children in the manner that the Bible says we should, don't hit them over the head, please don't do that. Please don't do that. That's God's job. If we train them, when they grow up to be mature, they'll not abandon what we've done for them, okay? Okay. What training did you get when you were a child? I don't know. You guys know what you went through. I know what I went through. I was very fortunate with my father my father and my mother. I was very fortunate. When I was three years old, my my mother gave her heart to the Lord in a little Italian church. She gave her heart to the Lord. And we started going to that church regularly. I grew up in that church. And I still remember... As a boy, and I couldn't understand Italian, but they did some things in English. But I remember growing up in that church and recognizing there was something there. And I, I remember, t- to this day, I remember when I used to kneel down beside my bed, nine, ten years old, and pray prayers that a nine year old or a ten year old shouldn't have to pray. But God was there, He's still with me. Train up a child. What are you teaching your children? What were you taught? Verse 17 through 19 is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. What's happening now, okay? When he came to his senses, where is he? He's in the pig pen. He's lost the Camaro. He's lost the golf clubs. He's lost his good clothes. He lost his watches. He lost his... When he came to his senses in the pig pen... Does that mean anything to you? Does that sound familiar? Do you feel something? Because all of us go through a pig pen experience. I had to find Jesus at 16. Just because my mother found the Lord when I was three doesn't mean I was ready, but I was brought up in the church, and at 16, I had to decide to come out of my pig pen. And some of you remember what you did, how you got saved, how the Lord blessed you how you came to know Jesus Christ, okay? When he came to his senses, and that's where we come to our senses, when we're at rock bottom. Here's what he said, listen. How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? My father's hired men. Daddy is still back there. Daddy's still got his estate. Daddy's still got his business going. Daddy's still got the elder brother helping. Them. My father's hired men have more than enough bread. I'm dying here with hunger. Think about where you've been. Think about where you've come from. Think about where you should be going. I'm going to get up, verse 18, and go to my father. And I will say to him, Dad, boy, we need to have a talk, you and me. Dad. I think this is called repentance. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Now, I'm not interested in your sin. Please understand how I mean that. It's none of my business. What has happened between him and his father is his business. And he's waking up in the pig pen. Whatever your situation in life is, wherever you've been, however however you've come through it, recognize who your father is. And recognize he's just waiting on you to wake up in your pigment. He's saying, "I'm no longer worthy to be called your son." Listen to this. Listen to this. "I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men." What is he saying? What's the Bible trying to say to us? Dad, you can't call me your son anymore. I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm sorry, Anthony. I don't want you as a son anymore. That's what he thinks dad thinks. I blew it. You blew it so much, Anthony, that you think that I think you shouldn't be my son. That's what he's doing. He's practicing in the pig pen what he thinks he needs to say to his father, his repentance. Uh, hold that one right there. I'm, I've got five things I want to show you from the verse we just left. Okay. He said in that verse, my, my, my former servants, dad's hired men, they have hoagies anytime they want them. Anybody know what the hoagie is? You've got to come from the East Coast, right? You know what a hoagie is. It's a sandwich about this long. It's got salami and kabogol and provolone and everything else in it. Nobody's ever had a hoagie? East Coast, yeah. yeah. Who is the, who's the, who's the company in town that sells these long sandwiches? Who? Subway or whatever. My The hired men have enough to eat. That's point number one. Point number one. Point number two, he's saying to himself, I'm going to die with hunger. That's point number two. Point number three, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to dad. And that one verse, okay? Point number three. Point number four, I'm going to say to my dad, Father, I have sinned. Now, stop there. He knows he has sinned. I know I have sinned. You know you have sinned. You know, we, we come to the Lord. We repent and we give our lives back to God. And some of you have done that already and we're going to be baptizing you next Sunday. Wonderful. But he has to make up his mind that he understands what his position is now that he took off and took everything with him and he's blown it. Father, I have sinned. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Point number five in that one verse. Demote me to be one of your hired men. Uh, I don't like that. That's not God, Gary. He's not in the demotion business. He's in the promotion business. But he is so out of the picture, he realizes what he's done. He realizes that he is now awake. What does it take to wake us up? To realize we are at the bottom of everything, but we can still get up and go back and repent to God. What have you done that you thought, God will never talk to me again? Don't, don't raise your voice. Don't tell me what it is. You think about it. You know where you've come from. You know what you've gone through. We all have had our time in life where we've experienced things that we should not have. And probably for our own fault. What does it take to wake us up? It's called a reality check. No more lying. No more feeding on self. There's no famine at home because God's taking care of home. And how does he know that there's no famine at home? (laughs) Because he's seen provision every single day while he was home. So the dress rehearsal was verses 18 and 19. He's going to go home and tell dad everything that he did. I'll get up, go to my father, say, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your heart. This is his rehearsal repentance prayer. When you come to God, might I suggest respectfully that you need to know why you're coming to God? May I suggest respectfully you need to know what you did wrong? He does. He's not making any bones about it. He knows he's done something wrong. We know when we've done something wrong. We know when we've displeased God. I need to tell you right now, you've displeased God today. Walk to him right now. In another second, he'll forgive you of what you've done. That's who he is. And he is expecting to go back and talk to God and ask for forgiveness. And he's going to to have to know whether he means it or not. I've told you this story before, but I'm just going to share it with you again about the young man in my church in, in California who stood at my altar with six other people, and we prayed the sinner's prayer, that young man, and I said to them, did you mean it? Did you mean it? And I went to the young man, and I said, did you mean it? And he looked at me and said, I'm not sure. No one ever said that to me before. I'm not sure. I said, okay. And I let it go. Two weeks later, he walked into the door of the back of the church on Sunday morning before the service started. I was out there, and he came to me and said, Pastor, yeah, He said, I just want want you to know, I meant it. See, Do you mean what you're saying? Do you know why you need to say something to God? Do you recognize there is a problem? And then do you recognize that there is someone who can take care of the problem if you come to him and give it to him? He didn't know what to do that night. I'm not sure I meant it. Two weeks later, he says, I'm sure. He was the assistant manager in the bank. I think he walked out to be, he got promoted, became manager, married one of the la- beautiful ladies in the church. Uh, I'm not sure. I think he's still alive. I'm not sure. The prodigal son is praying a prayer and, and, and practicing this prayer, and he means it from the depths of his heart. Let's move on to verse 20. And I need you to see something. He got up and came to his father. Okay, he's starting his journey. He's made a decision. He's made a commitment. Have you made your decision? Have you made your commitment? You've got to start your journey of getting back to where you belong. He got up, came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Stop right there. How many think you, how many here, I know you're not going to raise your hand, but how many of you think you can really get out of God's sight? You can run and hide from God. You think you really can hide from God? You you know why you can't hide from God? Because He loves you too much. And He's watching over you no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing or why you're doing it. He doesn't care. He's watching and waiting, watching and waiting for the moment. He got up to come to his dad while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt, and said, and his daddy said, you know, when he gets here, man, I'm not going to slap him upside the head. He is going to get, I'm going to run all over him. I'm going to give him a boot in the back end. Who does he think he is coming back to me and thinking I should take him back? That's not what it says. Because that's not God. You know what you did. I know what I did. We all know, and we've come to God, and God did not give us a kick in the backside. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, ran, embraced him, and kissed him. Stop. You got to dig. Anthony, what do you think that son smelled like? He's coming out of a pig pet. What do you think he smelled like? What do you think he looked like? Do you think he just came out of a shower where he's got men's cologne all over him and got a nice tux? He's a mess. He, he, is, he has the odor of sin all over him. And Daddy said, I can handle that. Daddy runs to meet him. Saw him, felt compassion ran and embraced him and kissed him. Oh, God, oh, I don't want to kiss you with a coming out of a pig pen. See, the pig pens of our lives, God is well aware of what they are. He's just waiting to put his arms around you, around me, and say, I got you. You're mine. You were always mine. You thought you could get away, but you were always mine. He embraced him and he kissed him. Well, this is how God looks at us. He knows we've been in the pig pen. Are you taking another picture? You forgot your camera? Does your camera have a uh, smell sensitivity function to it? (laughs) Smells like pig to me. This is what revival is all about. He embraced him. He kissed him. This is how God looks at you. This is how good looks at me. He overlooks the nonsense of our lives. There's nobody here perfect. Come on, we know that. We've all made our share of mistakes, but when we realize what we did wrong and we say, you know, that's enough. That's what he did in the pig pen. He said, "This, this is enough. I've got to change something. The only way I can change is go back to Dad and ask Dad to forgive me. That's what we call salvation. This is what we call revival. This is where people's lives change. Okay? I'm about to close. My problem is we have one more problem. Anybody know what the problem is? What? The The older brother. We forget him. The older brother has a problem. Verse 25 through 32. Let me read them to you. And then I'll close with it. Now, his older brother was in the field, which is where he belongs. He's running the whole show in this parable. He's in the field. When he comes home, he's tired, obviously. He approaches the house. He hears music and dancing. He doesn't normally hear music and dancing when he comes home from a hard day's work. The slaves are doing what they're supposed to be doing, cleaning up here, cleaning up there, putting the cattle away, to whatever they have to do. But he comes home, and he hears all this singing going on. And he summoned one of the servants... And why, let's see, this bothers me. He hears the singing. He hears it all. And he summoned one of the, why did he summon one of the servants? Sim, why didn't he just go knock on the door and see what was going on? Because he's holding back. He summons one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come. And he just threw up his hand and said, hallelujah. No, he did not. He did not. Your brother has come. Your father's killed a fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. This older brother is not happy. Okay. But he became angry. I don't like this. My younger kid brother's gone, he's been gone for a long time. We thought he was dead. I have a younger brother, 10 years younger than I. We thought he was never coming home. We thought he was dead. We, we, you know, we didn't get, get emails anymore from him. And all that. He became angry to hear that his brother was still alive. He wasn't willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. God should not have to plead with you or me to forgive God. What's going on in our lives. His father answered and said to his son. uh, He answered and said to his father, look, (laughs) let me give you my resume, dad, because I got a good one. I know what it is. I've memorized my resume, Lord. You you, you need to listen to me, dad. I've been here for so many years. I've been serving you. I've never. you, You can break your arm trying to pat yourself on the back been serving you and have never neglected a command of yours. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my... What is he doing? He's comparing the noise that he's hearing and the celebration that he knows dad is giving to the son. He's comparing all of that with what he's gone through as a hard worker, and he's never received a bonus. He's never had a party with his friends. Daddy never gave him the fatted calf. But when this son of yours came, listen to him, who has devoured your wealth, that is a lie. When you don't want to forgive, be careful of what might come out of your mouth. That's a lie. He did not devour daddy's wealth. You will never devour God's wealth. God's never going to run out of whatever it is you need, whether it's money, whether it's help, whether it's love. You will never devour the wealth of God. And he certainly, we don't know that he devoured it with prostitutes. The boy doesn't even know. But he's showing dad how awful the son had to have been. And dad, why are you loving him so much when he's no good? Spirit of unforgiveness is a problem. And it will hurt you more than it will hurt the person you're not forgiving. I heard one or two. When this son of yours came, he devoured your wealth with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. God said to him, Daddy, son, does anybody here think that God doesn't know who you are? Or that what you've done? Or what you've accomplished for him? You've helped, always been with me, and all that is mine. Is yours. He did not say that about the younger son, but he's saying it now about the older son who he's confronting. All that is mine is yours. We've got to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours who was dead and he squandered everything and he's running around, all this has begun to live and was lost and has been found. All that I have is yours. But uh, let me tell you this. If you aren't happy when you see God restore somebody, I've got news for you. You will not get from God what God wants to give to you. Oh, I didn't hear one amen. Not one I heard. If you're not happy to see someone who's lived in sin for whatever reason and maybe hurt you while they were living in sin, if you're not happy to see that change, then I'm wondering about your relationship with God. God loves us. Please, please, please be happy when you see God restore somebody. Please. See the joy that's come into the younger brother's heart in life. Because he was ready to become a hired hand. He was ready to no longer be called a son. You can never, never divorce your sonship from God. Never. Be forgiving. The mess that the older brother saw could have been his mess. And the mess you may see in other people could have been your mess. God loves us. God cares for us all. John 3 16, for God so loved the world. That's you and me, and all of our dirt and everything that went with it. Everything. He loves us. He loves us. He loves you. He loves loves your brother. He loves your sister. He loves the one that have hurt you. You say, well, pastor, that's not right. What do you mean it's not right? He loves you. How many people did you hurt before you found God? And now you've found God and things are still going on and you don't like it, but God's looking down at those who are hurting you. And he's saying, just hang in there. Hang in there. Because I'm the one. I'm the daddy. I'm the one that has it all. I'm the one that provides it all. I've got the food that you need. I've got the job that you need. I've got the peace that you need. I've got the comfort that you need. I've got everything. You need. Son, you've been with me all my life, and everything I have is yours. And if I walk with God and you walk with God, then everything that God has for me is mine. Not what he got for you. What's, what you need, Gary, is for you. But what I need is for me. I don't need to mess with what you've got, and you don't need to mess with what I've got because we've got the same God, we've got the same dad taking care of us. I guess i got to quit. God so loved the world. Train up a child <clears throat> in the way he should go, and God will watch you do that. And God will share with you. Be a new hope, we need to be happy as a church in your routine. Hello. As a church, we have a routine. We have things to do. We have a job to do. All of us. Our own particular talents that God wants to use as a church. Because guess who's looking? The world out there. Those who run the pig pens. They're looking. What do they see when they look at us as a church? I will share next week with you Not so much of a message, but I will share my heart with you. I will use Scripture, but I'm going to show you how important you are with God's help to this community. Two sons had everything they needed. One son wasn't sure that he wanted the routine, didn't like the routine, and took off, and he lost everything. But he got back to God, and God supplied everything he needed from that point on. God is not asking you to pay back. You know, that, the, the wealth that he gave his son, daddy never asked him to pay that back. And God's not asking you to pay back. What God's asking for you or for me is to come to him, and what did he do? He gave him that robe. Remember? He gave him the robe, got the, one of the servants, give, give, give me that robe, put that ring on his finger, because that was significant. Servants don't wear rings. Servants don't wear robes. Bring the sandals. Servants don't wear sandals. They go barefooted. He took his son who was absolutely lost and covered him clean with the robe of righteousness. That's exactly what God does for you. That's exactly what he does for me. Amen? Do you love him? Is he good? Pray with me. Father, thank you. You're so good to us. And we know it, and we don't thank you enough. But we're here this morning, Lord, and you've been good enough to let me share the word one more time. Help us to be happy when we see someone restored, no matter what they've done. Because if you've taken the time to restore them and love them, then we should too. And we'll pray for them and ask you to minister to them. If you're here this morning and what I've said makes sense to you and you need someone to pray with you, I will stay here after we close in prayer. You know that I believe in privacy. I just want to pray with you. I just want to help you. If you need to make a commitment to God, I want to help you. But you have to want that, just like that son woke up in that pig pen and said, this is wrong. My life has been wrong. I need to get it right, and only God can help me. I want to help you. Father, I ask you to bless these good people, strengthen them for their daily needs, for their daily responsibilities. But most of all, Father, put within us a love, such a great love for the lost, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. Help us to be ready to reach out and say, come on home. We've got a robe we can put around you. We've got shoes we can put on your feet. We've got a ring we can give you so that you be recognized that you belong. Let this congregation be filled with joy when someone comes to you. Bless us. Strengthen us, we pray. In Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, I'm going to stay here.